Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good. Okay, we're live. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Talking Tennis. This is ATP Weekly, um, hosted by myself, Bunch. And joining me, we have a special guest from the Tennis Tribe. It is Hanlon Walsh of the Doubles Only Podcast. So how are you doing, Hanlon? I'm doing well. How about you? Still recovering from Atlanta? Yeah, <laughs> some really good tennis uh, in a was played in Atlanta and you know a nice storyline in the singles of course with Taylor Fritz uh winning winning the title his sixth career ATP title but I'm curious since you were on the grounds yourself you know what what's something that really stood out to you about the event yeah I I got there on Saturday so I was there for both semifinals uh singles and doubles and then stayed through the finals yesterday and I think um I think you know Taylor Fritz obviously for American fans was you know the best story of the tournament him just winning a tournament he was supposed to, I think any result um, besides the championship trophy for him being a top 10 player to 250 in his, you know, home country would have been a disappointment. So I was happy to see him get the title, but I think um, Alexander Vukic or Vukic was really the, one of the feel good stories of the tournament. I think you could see the Atlanta crowd really draw to him. And, and as they learn more about his story throughout the week, uh, he had such a good run and had, you know, big wins over Eubanks and then, um, Ugo Umber and then came up short, you know, against Fritz in the finals, but I think, you know, had a career best week. So I would say that was one of the, certainly the feel good stories of the event as well. Yeah. Um, always, always nice when you have a, one of those mid-career breakthrough moments, uh, especially if you've been, you know, at the challenger level for a good four or five years, I believe he also played four years in Illinois in college tennis as well. So it's nice to see some of those players being rewarded just as Chris Eubanks, of course, was with Mallorca and, the runner Wimbledon and you know how was the how would you say was sort of the crowd reception and reaction towards uh Eubanks especially now you know that he's much more high profile and of course this was his home event so actually you know I was I was disappointed to miss Eubanks I, I got there Saturday and he he lost the night before I got there but I would expect and what I from what I saw on tv like being a Georgia Tech alum and just you know growing up in Georgia um I think it was you know the the stands were were very full. The crowds were energized by him. I know even even from a media perspective, some of the other journalists who were there on the weekend told me that, you know, USA Today and some other big national publications were there earlier in the week, you know, wanting to get sound bites and, and interviews with Eubank. So I think I, I, even though he didn't make it to the finals or the semis, I still think it was an impressive run for him to back up his Wimbledon performance, you know, with the added pressure of a home crowd. He had a really good win over Nakashima in the second round. Um, so I, I think it was still, you know, a good result for him. Now he's inside the top 30 and you know, 
probably the best story of American tennis so far in 2023, in my opinion. Yeah, I would totally second that as well. Um, just given, you know, of course, the the story that he takes you on and, you know, what a good analyst he is as well of the game and, you know, how he's been so open about that, helping him obviously on the court, fighting solutions. And um, yeah, he's he's got an exhilarating game to watch as well with a, you know, a much improved one-handed backhand. And that's been fun to see, obviously on, on the courts, tactically how he's able to adjust sort of mid-match. Yeah. I think there's something too to be said about players like um, Eubanks and, and Vukic who are, you know, have been on the rising the ranks of the challenger circuit for several years and are, are kind of having a mid mid career surge. I think just from a storytelling perspective, um, there's just, it's easy to gravitate towards that journey as a fan, knowing that all the, the, the ups and downs that they've gone through just grinding away on the challenger tour. And finally to have that big moment that is life changing from a, um, you know, prize money and, and financial standpoint, but also just, you know, getting into the top 100, top 50, now top 30 for Eubank. So th- those kind of stories are just easy to latch on to for, for tennis fans and really the average sports fan. Yeah, for sure. I noticed, you know, obviously it was getting a lot of buzz, uh, you know, at Wimbledon, uh, you know, on Sports Center and CNN was doing a, a full, you know, mm-hmm. five minutes on Eubanks and, you know, he was getting these kind of perks and interviews. And yeah, it's, it's great to see. I'm sure it even rocked his world a little bit. And uh, yeah, it'll be really fun to see, obviously, you know, how Vukic and Ubex do throughout the rest of the U.S. Open Series, because it's definitely a couple of names to keep an eye on. And you probably don't want to face them if you're one of the seated players early in the, yeah, uh, no, in the tournaments, not. for sure. But, it's always interesting to see um, which players like Eubanks sort of transcend tennis media, too. Like, he's, you know, like you said, he's been all over. ESPN and all, you know, big mainstream national news. Um, so it's great. I think it's great for tennis to have more, more stars like that, that are making headlines outside of the tennis media. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then of course, you know, the doubles we had, you know, uh, Jackson Boudreau and Nick Lim- Nathaniel Lamonts uh, continue their run, obviously. And they, they won Newport as, as well. And uh, so, yeah, it was, do you have any particular thoughts on on them as a doubles pairing and just kind of, um, you know, there's whole two week stretch. You can include Newport as well. Yeah. Even going back to Wimbledon, um, they made their first quarterfinal together as a team and they've been, they've really been so consistent all year. They've, they're not a doubles team that has had, you know, one big result at a grand slam and has, you know, sort of floated on those major points throughout the year, but they've had a really steady rise and they've actually won, have now won 11 of their last 12 matches um, dating back to, you know, the quarterfinals at Wimbledon, they won at Newport, like you said, and then they, with the win here in Atlanta, um, a lot of those have been in, in match tiebreakers too. So I think they've really found their confidence in their groove and they, they seem to just really gel well as a team. And you see a lot of doubles players on the circuit who are, are more, you know, are switching partners every week and trying to just find partners to play with who have the best ranking that can get them into tournaments. But they, they really seem to have a, a team first mentality and uh, we got to have a few words with them after a few of their matches this past weekend. And just, uh, I don't know, I feel like just good energy from their team and they seem like they're, they're really confident and ready to, you know, climb even higher than they are. Yeah, for sure. And they beat a very good doubles team, of course, in the final with the, uh, with Max Purcell and Jordan Thompson and, you know, accomplished in singles as well. So I was impressed to see that that didn't go to a match tie break and they won that in, in straight sets, albeit two tie breaks. Yeah, same. Purcell and Thompson are, are so incredibly talented. Just it was a really fun match to watch. Um, 
there, I mean, serving bombs, both teams were, but uh, just some of the shots that the Aussie guys, you know, came up with throughout, um, throughout the match were incredible, but I think you could just tell who the, the doubles team was on the court at the end of the day and who the, uh, you know, while Purcell and Thompson are both very accomplished doubles players, obviously um, you, it was easy to see which team, you know, was more of a unit and which team were, was out there probably just more having fun, a, a nice brain break away from singles. Yeah, for sure. I, we actually have a question in the comments asking about Fritz uh, going into the U.S. Open. And of course, I think this uh, this win at Atlanta could do wonders for him, of course, because, you know, the last four majors that he's played have been pretty disappointing, I would say. Just, uh, you know, especially, I guess you can excuse maybe Roland Garros because he played Sarundolo, who is a top 20 player and, you know, quite formidable on clay in his own right. But the losses to Popperin and as well to the most shocking was um, was Tracy Austin's son and Brendan Holt in the first round of the U.S. Open. So, you know, I think as a like you were saying, as a top ten player, anything less than winning the title would have been would have been disappointing here. But I thought he did well with the pressure on his back. You know, to beat uh, you know his draw wasn't so simple. Of course, he played Yu, Wu Yibing, who who beat him in Dallas earlier this year. So he, that's a, that's always going to be a tricky first round. He got through that and then, you know, sort of increased his level against Kane Shikori, who's been on a good comeback himself having won a challenger and, and, and yeah. And then in the final, he was, then he won, he won the semis against JJ Wolf as well, three and five. But in the, in the final, of course, he, he had to deal with the disappointment of not closing out the second set, you know, uh, letting those two match points go. And then, you know, lost, loses the tie break and doesn't break in the first game and he has love 40 and, um, you know, things could have really turned south there, but, but he, he hung on and he played, he played some terrific tennis to get the, the decisive break and he was able to to deal with that pressure so I, I guess the the next thing is he's got to make sure he's peaking for the u.s open i would say um you know because last year he had a good run in cincinnati but he wasn't able to sort of carry that on and you know that was a very weird uh result to lose to hold in the in the first round there because that was the, at the same time you had sitsipas losing and you had this whole you know serena show going on and there was not a lot of eyes i would say on those two upsets at the time uh, just because of the timing of it, but I think um, I think Taylor will be expecting a lot of, of himself uh, at the U.S. Open, and he's such a professional guy. Of course, he he plays almost every week, and I think this was his 18th event uh, this year wow. itself. So he schedules uh, himself quite uh, quite intensely for a top 10 player, and uh, you know we'll see. Uh, I, I, I guess. But do you have any any other thoughts on on Fritz? Yeah, I think you made a great point about just it's probably all going to depend, you know, when he peaks, um, like you said, he plays a very busy schedule. So I know he's the top seed this week in DC and I imagine, yeah, he'll play Cincinnati and in Canada. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, I don't know. Part of me thinks, uh, you know, last year, given his disappointing loss to Brandon Holt in the first round, is that going to alleviate a little bit of pressure, just not having any big ranking points to defend or just knowing that he, you know, he, he can't, you know, he can't go any lower than losing the first round this year. So maybe that'll, yeah alleviate a little bit of pressure, but I know his slam track record the past, uh, you know, this year and dating back to last year hasn't been, hasn't been great. So I'm sure that, you know, the other side of that is maybe it's the pressures continuing to build with each of these disappointing early major losses. So it'll be interesting to see, especially what kind of draw he gets, knowing that there's a lot of unseated floaters, um, you know, hanging out outside the top 32. So I think his draw will be very, um, you know, interesting to see where he lands. Yeah, that's a great point, actually, about the you know maybe the pressure alleviating just because he can only go higher from there. Um, 
But uh, as far as Atlanta is concerned, is there kind of anything, how, how would you say like kind of bigger picture of the tournament as a whole and, you know, the the weather, was it really, really humid? That's what it yeah. looked like on, on the day sessions are, are, are pretty tough. Unless you're, you know, if you're not one of the fans in the shaded VIP section, then you're, um, you're getting beat down by the sun, you know, pretty, pretty straight on for several hours. So, you know, kudos to all of the, the fans who who brave through some of the day sessions because it's it's really hot but um they they get a solid turnout for the night night sessions every night it seems like it you know atlanta is such a huge tennis community and they've got so many great partnerships and it's really a, a tennis mecca in the southeast um so i think the tournament is very well run and they, they just have a very loyal following just you know the day sessions can be a challenge but it's in a great location in atlanta and there's all you know it's in atlantic station so there's a, a ton of shops and restaurants. And I think it's very fan, fan friendly. It's all, you know, walkable. Um, so that aspect of it, just the entire entertainment experience for the fans, I think brings a lot of value. Um, and they had, a, they had a strong field too. You know, I think there were some notable absences this year without, you know, Fritz or Tommy Paul, just in terms of some of the, or Corda, some of the top Americans, but they had, you know, Fritz, Shelton, Eubanks, um, JJ Wolf, um, several other American, John Isner. Um, that was probably a, honestly a big surprise seeing Isner go out early, just given his track record um, in Atlanta over the years, winning it six times and making the final three times. So I would say even, you know, given Isner's lack of form these past few months, seeing him go out in uh, his his favorite tournament first round was one of the biggest surprises of the tournament. Yeah, that's... That's certainly the takeaway I had as well because Isner's won this thing uh, six times, like you said, and he's he's kind of been carrying the flag for American tennis for over a, over a decade, and he's he's thirty now. So I'm actually very interested to see his results, uh, Washington, and all the way through Winston Salem because this is sort of his time of the year where he usually puts together a big run or you know goes pretty deep and he's kind of able to sustain himself really in you know usually in in the top twenty in the last last ten years. But this feels like you know this year or or next year could potentially be it for John, but uh, it'll be interesting to to see. Yeah, I would be surprised if we get a um, an announcement, you know, either before or post the US Open, just based on, like, to me, he's got to be thinking, like, if I, you know, can't replicate or can't do this in Atlanta, where else can I, you know, find this, this level again? But um, hopefully I'm wrong. It'd be great to see him on tour, you know, another year or two, but um, I, I have a feeling we might get an announcement from him uh, over the next month or two around the US Open. Yeah, it certainly seems to be heading that way for sure. Um, but yeah, I think we did a good job actually covering uh, covering Atlanta in a detailed yeah. way, I would say. One more, uh, one more comment on Atlanta too, and I tweeted about this, but... Um, it definitely seems like it has the reputation of being like the American slash Aussie open. If you look at all the past champions, mm. everyone uh, who's won the tournament in its history has either been an American or, um, or an Aussie. And this year, you know, yesterday felt like an Aussie U S Davis cup match because the singles and doubles finals were both U S versus Australia. So it's, it's interesting how this tournament consistently, you know, has a very heavy um, American and Australian field over the years. Yeah, that isn't that that is quite interesting. I've noticed that it kind of carries over from the week before Newport uh, a lot of the times, mm -hmm. and with Jordan Thompson and you know sometimes Kokonakis, and that sort of con continued. And you had 
you know, Dimonor who's won this thing twice as well. And I thought maybe, you know, he was another one who was going to go deep and he played Kokonakis early. And then, you know, of course had the, had a pretty good match against Umber. It was nice to see Umber, you know, finally get to, get to the semis of a tour event. He's been, he, he's one of those players that's, that has a really good record against the top 10 players. And he's, you know, won, won all three of the finals that he was in. So I was kind of curious to see what would have happened if he had, uh, you know, won that really close match against Vukic in the semis and taken on Fritz. I think that would have been, would have been interesting, but he can definitely, Umber can definitely build on this because he had some, he's had some success this year at the challenger level, uh, winning a couple of titles and he's, he's very capable on the faster surfaces. Yeah, totally. He had a great run and I, I agree. I think he could have been a, um, a difficult matchup for Fritz in the finals. And um, going back to the American Aussie point, Max Purcell, I asked him this and one of the post-match interviews and he, he alluded to the same thing you said about Newport, the, most of the Aussie guys prefer to, you know, keep the grass swing going and go straight from Wimbledon to Newport rather than, you know, stay in Europe and play on the clay like a lot of the Europeans do. So I think that's also a big reason why we see a lot of Americans and Aussies in Atlanta. And they're also, um, you know, more adapted to the the humid conditions probably than some of the European players, I would suspect. Yeah, for sure. That, uh that is definitely interesting. And I know you also posted on, on Twitter something about, um, you know, the doubles players acknowledging Greg Sharko because he's obviously been, uh, you know, a long time prominent member of the, of the ATP. So is there like any sort of info on, you know, when is, when's his, his last event or is that? Yeah, I think, I think that was Atlanta was his last event. I don't know, like if he's, officially retiring from the ATP or just like not working at, you know, on site at tournaments as much anymore. Or what his, I, I got the impression that he was maybe stepping down at least from the tournament capacity, but um, they had a really nice on court ceremony for him. I wish I would have gotten the whole video, but uh, Peter, the mm-hmm. tournament director said some really nice words about Greg. And then um, I thought it was really nice of, of Jackson Withrow and Nate Lamons to also include some nice remarks about uh, Greg Sharko in their, um, their, trophy acceptance speech too. It's, I think it's always, you know, it means a lot when it, when it comes directly from some of the players too, because I think players, some players are do a great job at acknowledging the, the, the staff behind the scenes who make everything possible. And then other players probably are more dismissive. So it was cool to see them, uh, see Greg Sharko get some, some recognition from the players. Yeah, for sure. He was, um, he was very helpful to me actually in, back in 2021 and getting a credential for the San Diego open. So very grateful to him for that. Yeah. It's always, always a good, good friend to have for sure. And he was, he was great to work with this past week in Atlanta as well. And I've always heard, heard a lot of great things about him. So he seems like quite, quite the legend in the, uh, the ATP media world. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So I guess, are we discussing the other ATP events uh, from this week? I guess, I guess we could. <laughs> um I guess uh, we could start with Hamburg, of course, uh, you know, an ATP 500. And it was won in the end by Alexander Zverev, um, who was back inside the top 10 uh, in the race. And this was his 20th, 20th title. But uh, for me, I think the, the most interesting storyline of this whole week was uh, was watching Arthur Fies because he's, he's, uh, he's the youngest player now in the top 50. And he had that magnificent win over over Kasper Ruud and, played just some spellbinding tennis at times. And it was, you know, it was just nice to see another sort of young blood in this kind of Runa Alcaraz center 
generation and he's he's got some real talent and firepower and yeah that that run is what I'll kind of remember this tournament for actually yeah uh to get a bagel over Casper Ruud at one of his you know ATP 250 events that he you know he's he swept all of them last year I believe so I you know wasn't since I was in Atlanta I wasn't following a lot of the clay events as closely but I did see a lot of people tweeting about um that result and just how much of a, a talented prospect he is so Definitely a name to watch on the ATP coming up. Yeah, for sure. He has a really, really explosive game, especially on the forehand. And I would say that's his that's his best shot. But, you know, I've heard people say he has quite a bit of uh, Sangha and Monfis kind of influence in his game with the athleticism combined with the explosive power and loves to finish at the net as well and has good hands and big first serve. So he's got quite a good good package that I think... Uh, you know, as he's on the as he's on the come up, he's already won a title this year, and uh, you know to hit like you said thirty five. I mean to hit thirty five winners in sixteen games against Casper Ruud on on clay, one of the best clay quarters. Uh, Twenty five of them coming off the forehand. It was it was truly wow. something uh, for sure. That is impressive. How how old is he? Did you say that? Yeah, he he just turned nineteen in June. Okay, wow, really impressive. I'm uh yeah I'm hopeful. I'll be at the U.S. Open, so hopefully, hopefully, I get to see him at some point there. Yeah, I'm 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 excited to see him kind of um you know off the clay as well, and he he's someone who the crowds really respond to, and um yeah, he 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 definitely gets people behind him for sure. But uh, but also it was great to see Laszlo Gera, uh, you know, play some really good clay court tennis again and get to an get to another final. He's kind of one of those names that doesn't get talked about a, a whole lot, but I remember his run quite well in Rio, uh, you know, when he beat team there and he beat Felix in the final. And, you know, that was, that was kind of a breakthrough moment for him because he had also just lost his parents um, the month before and unfortunately both of his parents. And so he attributed the trophy to them. And that's kind of what I remember Laszlo Gero for. And he's had some, some good, good wins uh, in the last four years along the way as well. But I thought, uh, you know, that, I thought to get to the final here and just, you know, show again that he's one of the, one of the great clay court players, even at the 500 level was, uh, was impressive in its own right. As Srihari is with us. Hello, Srihari. I think you're on mute. Right. Yeah. Not sure if I want to particularly do what the comments stating here, but, um, right. Yeah, you were uh, talking about Laszlo Jerry, right? I think I think he lost one of his parents before Rio, and then the other one um, a bit before that, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was actually pretty sad. But then, uh, yeah, can't believe that was like what four years ago already, more than four years ago. Um, but yeah, well. Hey guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop off, right. but it was fun uh, fun chatting in Atlanta. Right, yeah. Thanks for joining. It was nice here. having you here. Yeah, great to have you, Hanlon. And of course, uh, yeah, we we love all your insights, especially for the for the doubles. So keep up the great work for the tennis tribe and doubles on the podcast. And yeah, yeah, uh, appreciate it. Where can Likewise. where can listeners uh, follow you on Twitter? If you want to drop um, your handle. Yeah, yeah, I'll drop it in there. It's uh, just Hanlon Walsh, H-A-N-L-O-N Walsh, and then the tennis tribe.com. Uh, but yeah, I hope to see you guys around uh, 
maybe later this summer at the U.S. Open or another tournament. But yeah, good sounds one. good. I'll actually be open yeah. in, in Cincinnati, and uh, so I don't know if you'll, you'll you'll be there, but if you are, you know, uh, would would love to come in. Yeah, yeah, I'll uh, I'll message you about travel schedules. But uh, thanks again, and see you guys soon. Yeah, thanks for uh, coming on, and see you soon. Yeah, sure, enjoyed it. Yeah, see ya. Thank you. All um, right. Yeah. Nice to have Hanlon on. Comment from um, Ghosty right here. Um, this is exactly when uh, I was mentioning to John before. I mean, it was this morning when he asked if I could do the show, and I told him this would probably be the hardest task for me on the show so far, for for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you guys spoke about Atlanta. Um. Wait. Um. Handel was talking about a ceremony. Uh, was it for John Isner? I don't. I wasn't really. No, no, attention. no, no. So he was talking about uh, Greg Sharko, who's one of the ATP oh. media guys, and he's he helps. You know, he's part of the tournament. Ah, yeah, Shar- yeah, yeah. I, I used to see those um, so he's, pieces like Sharko's analyses and all of that. Yeah, yeah. He's he, he's a really good stats guy, also, and he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of good like player profile stuff for the for the ATP. So he's he's been with them for like thirty plus years, and so yeah, I think this is this is he's leaving the ATP now. I think this was his last event, so that's what the ceremony was for. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Oh, I, I guess right. just so we can you know address this rare stuff. I think uh, you know the the main reason I think that um, a lot of people are uncomfortable, of course, with talking about Zverev so much. Is because uh, you know we have the second allegations of domestic violence uh, this time by another ex-girlfriend, the mother of his child. So I think that uh, that news uh, has just made a lot of people understandably uncomfortable in terms of watching his matches, analyzing his his game, um, and then you know seeing that he sort of wins a title again right on the heels of that. Uh, and so I think that makes people yeah, understandably quite uncomfortable. And there's no clear domestic violence policy right now in tennis or for the ATP. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, this is definitely something that ATP yeah, has that, been dealing with yeah, for the last pretty, almost pretty much years. Wide, like you mentioned. Um, it was always uncomfortable for the last, more, better part of the last couple of years, even more so now uh, with the second allegation. You know, it's pretty fresh. Uh, well, it's been barely a week or two. Uh, since it broke on and just to, it's just that we read about it hear about it and then there's uh, nothing spoken about it since not by media not by commentators um so yeah it, like you mentioned that yeah. that alone i mean it, it just adds to why we just squirm so much just to mention him i mean on a platform like this of course um but yeah i guess uh, we we could yeah, still I, I would say you know i commented for his match uh, with Jack against um, against Feast, and obviously he played he he played really well. He had a very good week. He beat a bunch of, you know, I would I would say he, we, we still don't know how he how he does against the very best players because he's on an eight nine match losing streak against against the top ten, and so far his best win this year by ranking is against Tiafo in the third round yeah. of Roland Garros, and I don't think he's played any other top twenty five player in his thirty three wins so far this year, yeah. but. Nonetheless, I mean, I, I guess just the level that I saw, he, he was hitting his backhand really well. He was, you know, almost like a wall from the baseline, and that made it really hard for his opponents in the semis. And, but then also the final against Jera, who was having to use quite a lot of variety and touch and 
just having to do things to get by Zverev because he's so lengthy and he, you know, shrinks the court with how well he moves and stuff. And that was certainly something Feast had to deal with too. So I think it's just that he's rounding back into form and he's probably a contender again for qualifying for the ATP finals. He's 10th in the race. And so, uh, yeah. And I guess this is 13 months following that injury and he's just been kind of building on that. But, but again, like I'm, unless I see him kind of beat one of Medvedev, Alcaraz, Djokovic, or pretty much anyone in the top 10, uh, I think that's when we'll, we'll really see because he still has, obviously still has some issues with nerves, um, second serve and the forehand, kind of the two weaknesses you could maybe point to, but um, he did a good job like managing them this week. And I think, uh, yeah, also the, the matches being indoors in the semis, finally it really helped his serve and also his first serve percentage was was through the roof which made it really hard for for opponents to break him um but but yeah i mean i mean that's kind of where we're at with Zverev. if there's anything else you wanted to add or we, or we move yeah on. uh no, nothing much more really i mean especially when you mentioned uh how it could be a bit of an illusion just because well, just one of his wins was against top 25 opposition it was against Tiafo at RG uh, who I think previously hadn't made it hadn't even made it that far at the tournament um, but yeah that being said uh, there are again a lot of players if he, he is sort of uh, inching his way back to the top 10 he is number 9 in the race but yeah. I would say majority of the players are pretty comfortable. Now because actually Fritz, Fritz needed to win Atlanta yesterday, and he did that. Oh, right, so yeah, he's, so he's, not, he, he's, ten, he's but, number 10. But yeah, right? I mean, uh, again, Fritz is not that I think he's beaten him thrice already. Medvedev probably beaten him the most uh, from out of anybody, I think. Um, he's beaten him the yeah. most nine times, followed by, I think, Novak and Rafa. Sitsipas beaten him eight times. Novak and Rafa beaten him seven times. So, yeah, there are a lot of players who have his number, uh, especially in... Uh, in the top 10. I think there, Alcara is another player who, um, you know, outside of that RG uh, quarterfinal, which, I mean, to be fair, was a significant match. But other than that, uh, yeah, he's another player who has had some pretty uh, de- demolition wins against Zverev. Um, so, you, you know, we, we do think about that as well uh, when, we, when we're talking about, okay, Zverev is slowly coming back, it's number 10, the race season contention now for a spot in Turin. He doesn't have any points to defend uh, for, the, for the rest of the season as well. So uh, that maybe in terms of pressure, that would help uh, and you know, sort of alleviating a lot of the pressure that he would otherwise have. But yeah, I think you pretty much summed it up perfectly. Um he has done well during this part of the season. Historically, I think he's made, uh, he's he's won uh, Canada, Cincinnati, uh, made the uh, he's made the final or better at all of the big events during this stretch of the season. So yeah. it's safe to say that um, he has enjoyed some success in the past. But um, yeah, it the whether or not um, his nerves would hold up well. Uh, whether or not his game comes together as he would like, um, you know, against the, some of the best players in the world, so it still remains still a question that should be answered. Yeah, for sure. Some other matchups, you know, as far as Hamburg is concerned, of course, you also had Xi Jinjiang, who was a, a good story. He got to the semis as well. You know, Chinese player on the rise along with you, Wu Yibing. Uh, yep. And he, he obviously, he took out Altmaier and he, 
he got to the semis, and that was that was good to see because he also had some good ATP success in Madrid this year before losing to Karatsev in the in that quarterfinal. Yeah, and, he he beat yeah. uh, or he beat Fritz, and before that he had some pretty big wins, didn't he? Um, yeah, Fritz and Nori, I think, around before that, and all those matches were in third set tie breaks. I think Shapovalov yeah. before that too. So he, oh, yeah, he's Shapovalov definitely capable. Well. Uh, yeah. On, so. On the... Yeah, he he had a really great run there in Madrid, and of course here again in Hamburg, all the way to the semis. Uh, yeah, that was another story. Yeah. Um, Artur Fees, of course. I think we we sort of glossed over uh, his exploits here in Hamburg. Uh, that was you and Handlon, of course. But another player to watch out for because we always ask the overarching question: um, who who is who are those players who Alcaraz will have a tough time against? Maybe, uh, hopefully, there is another one in the mix along with uh, the biggest one at the moment is Yannick Sinner. Um, so yeah, well, he's definitely making that climb. Now the it, the seeding situation for U.S. Open is going to be a lot more interesting. With you know you have Wawrinka, you have Fees, both of them crack. Wawrinka getting back the top fifty. Um, Arthur yeah. Fees also cracking the top fifty. Now he's the youngest player in the top fifty, uh, followed by Carlos Alcaraz himself. Um, so yeah, it yeah. and you have Eubanks, of course, who is up to I think twenty nine now. Uh, after the qualifying run in Atlanta, so you know yeah, you, I think you he's have definitely a lot of players. For sure. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, it's yeah, gonna yeah. make it a lot more. If not, I mean, even if you have some of these players unseeded, uh, that's pretty dangerous for anyone who's gonna play them because you know there is a chance you, you know, one of the top seeds, uh, you know, plays some of the top seeds also play against these guys and they wouldn't want that at all, uh, in the first or yeah. second round of the U.S. Open. Um, no, we got also. I think of humor. I will. Uh, I will mention something. Uh, I will mention a couple more things about Hamburg before we move on. Um, sure. Obviously, Rublev, of course, the fourth, the number two seed here, uh, and uh, you know, I think a lot of people were expecting maybe we'd have a, a rematch. Of course, with a few names, you know, that could challenge them, we could have a rematch of Bastad. But Rublev just kind of ran out of gas and ran into mm-hmm. Altmaier, who is. Who plays these uh, these type of players really well, like Sinner and Rublev, and he has wins against both of them. And I think he just really likes players who who give him rhythm and linear ball striking. And he was able to kind of he has tremendous power on his one hander. And he's another player who is, you know, the forehand is can be kind of a hit or miss, but but on clay with his physicality and his you know his heavy spin on both wings, he's he's also somebody who is unseated a lot of the times and is just like. A nightmare for top players to face. So he he kind of did that, and then we also learned that Musetti continues to have a Lazlo Gera problem because he's now two and six in that head to head, and he's lost all five of their matches on on clay as well. Bizarre. I mean, that and the Nishioka Evans. Where do you get these head to heads from? Like, yeah, so I think odd. with 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 Gera, it makes it makes sense just because Gera is so solid and he has he has really heavy spin and he can he can uh, you know push Musetti. On the on the one hand, yeah, he also he can, absorbs what he gets from Musetti pretty well. Uh, yes, yes, he does, and he's. He, I, I think the forehand is a big weapon because he's able to win forehand to forehand exchanges against Musetti, and he's also just able to pepper the backhand in ways that uh, when he has a lot more time, especially with with the heavy spin, he's, yeah. and he can flatten it out really, really well. And he was serving so well this whole week, Gera, and he actually played a very good final too. But it's just 
yeah, he ran into someone with a lot, a lot more confidence and experience in the end. But uh, just give me a sec, I'll be back. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Elena mentions that he's he started passively and he got yeah, broken. Yeah, Musetti really lost it. Actually, he uh, he played a very close first set, and then he he let his frustration out with a racket smash, and then he kind of, um, you know, his intensity dipped at the start of the second, and I thought uh, I thought that was the difference there. But um, but yeah, I I think another kind of good feel good story for many people was seeing Wawrinka back in another ATP final, just because of. You know, obviously the the hardship that he's gone through with with injuries, two knee surgeries and two foot surgeries, and he's 38 years old. And you know, this is very likely the the final stretch, final year, I would say for for Stan. And so, uh, I think you know he was obviously quite emotional afterwards when he lost that final against Popperin because he won the first set and he was he had a break point at this uh, you know in the in the middle part of the third set and uh, but uh, Popperin was. Extremely, extremely clutch. I don't, you know, served really well all week, and his, you know, like Ghosty is saying, probably stands last shot at the title. I mean, that's what you have to think, probably realistically. Uh, he was, he at one point, I think, had won eleven straight finals in a row, between you know, twenty fourteen and twenty sixteen, or actually right from twenty thirteen, and uh, and then you know, it kind of all started to go downhill for him in finals after the U.S. Open. I think he's now lost six of his last. Seven, but in fairness, he also hadn't made one in over three years. His last one was against Andy Murray in Antwerp. Yeah, uh, also where he won the first set. And but yeah, you know, he, he is still capable of playing really good tennis on a given day. He doesn't move as well as he nearly does, but the ball striking is still very much evident, of course. He can yeah. hit shots from 10, 12 feet behind the baseline on his backhand that pretty much no other player can't really do because he's so strong. But yeah. um, with the exception of maybe oh, team you, you you do think it's his uh, final year on tour? I think he has maybe a couple of years more if he doesn't manage to get injured. He looks good yeah, enough. Yeah, if for he that, stays really he stays really injury free. But it's just that I remember reading this tri- player tribune article from him. I think last year, uh, around Wimbledon time, and that was when he that was when he first came back from those surgeries, and he was saying that you know he wants to kind of leave at he doesn't want to be at a point where he's like just completely broken when he's retired and he can't do anything else. But I think, I think actually, yeah, it will, it will be interesting. It's just, we never know because he's, he's so, he's like 38 and it's just that, you know, we don't know if he'll ever win another title or get himself back in the, in the final for that at that point. But <laughs> yes, not quite 12, but you're not that far off. <laughs> kidding. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, what you know? What else from from Umag? Obviously, um, yeah. I, I mean, I was surprised to see Popper in the final. I hadn't I didn't know that he was gonna get to the final on clay as well. He was eleven and sixteen on clay coming into this week, and he hadn't oh. really had any any good great results on the clay. Popper in, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he'd won a title before and he'd beaten Fritz at the start of the year. But he's always someone I wonder who's like, why is he not more high ranked? Because when you watch him play, and he just the the way he's able, it's not just the power. Like he has a very complete game, and he's extremely, he's extremely aggressive, and he's and he moves very well, and he has he has a good touch as well, and he volleys well, and it's just 
he has a he has quite a package that you would think would translate to more consistency, but it just hasn't really happened for him. So this was a really good week, but I don't know like kind of week to week how his career will will pan out. But he's just someone in the another one in the mix, I think. Uh let's see. Let's look at more of these comments. Shihari is out of the picture right now, but I'm guessing he'll come back because the internet always tends to waver. I'm just going to look at these comments. Uh, yeah. <sighs> Some good stuff going on in the comments. Sorry, I think Shrihari is coming back. Yeah, he's back. Okay. Yeah. Um, again, internet was acting up, and I just know that Ghosty is a joke. Okay. <laughs> uh, not the one I thought he would have, but anyway, um, let me just pull up that graphic that I lost. Um, but yeah, you were you were talking about Popurin, um, yeah. and I was a little surprised to um, what do you call it? Cure that. Uh, win-loss record of his on clay. Um, especially, I mean, I remember he played Nadal at RG, what was it, a couple of years ago. Uh, remember yeah, he almost took a set? That. Yeah, he yeah. had an easy overhead on top of the net. <laughs> an easy overhead and one four, and he just hit it way beyond the tram lines. Uh, and then, he, you know, from there, he just lost the set. But, yeah, he's and, and I think he beat Sinner also in Madrid the same year. Yeah. Before losing to Nadal again. Um, Correct. But uh, yeah, so you know, this is his, his game is one that should translate to all of the surfaces, like you mentioned, pretty complete. He can generate power, he's good at the net, great serve, or also it's just, I don't know, it, there's always some reason as to why players just like the way he plays, they are not extremely successful if you were on tour. Um, yeah, I, I guess what I would say is that he, he's a player who needs who needs some rhythm and and matches early on in the week, and he also just has his game can sometimes be low margin because he's so hyper aggressive, yeah. and maybe that lends itself to some more inconsistencies, and maybe he just like like a lot of his losses this year have been close matches that he's just that just haven't gone his way. I know he went on a run in Rome as well, and he mm -hmm. beat he beat Felix and Safiulin and. O'Connell there before running out of steam against Runa in a tight three setter, but yep. he he's always someone who has like the potential, and then it's just like can he back it up? Like I remember he beat he beat Fritz. He played a really good match in Australia. I beat him in five sets, had the home crown behind him. But then he was kind of very flat against Shelton in the next round, yeah. and you know that was one where I thought he would at least make that match a little tighter. I was surprised that it was straight sets for Shelton in that third round, but he was. You know, obviously Shelton got to the quarters there, and he's he's another talented player who just hasn't found his way since Australia. But uh, yeah, I'm trying to see. Also, um, yeah, Arnaldi went on a run here in Umbag, got to the semis, um, had a really good win over the Hechka in the quarters, and then was and then he and Popperin played a really physical match. So I actually thought after one stand, one that first set in a tie break, after being mm -hmm. down a break, I actually thought you know. 
this is advantage 10. He's up a set. He's been here many, many times. He had the least, you know, he has 38, but he didn't have a very physical route to get to the final. He won all of his matches in straight sets. And so yeah. I was impressed by Popperin's mentality to just hang in there and just play, just absolutely blast <laughs> shots from, from behind the baseline, basically, and push Wawrinka around and really just bully him the last two sets. Uh, you know, it was just Wawrinka's a couple of court smarts a uh, couple of good touch shots that got him the break back in the second set, and then he he managed to get it to four all. But it felt like Popperin was the better player, really, the whole match. Yep. yep. Um, but yeah, it's just it was right. one of those um, tournaments where yeah, we look at these movers here of the week. Um, yeah. So for fees, I mean, again. Uh, it's a little difficult, especially for players from Umag and Hamburg, for us to talk about the U.S. Open prospects just because of the surface. Um, mm. But nonetheless, um, yeah, well, uh, we spoke about Atlanta, of course, Fritz winning, and you know, I don't know if you spoke about Nishikori, uh, and then his sort of yeah, we talked about him. He picked up a one uh, ATP win over Jordan Thompson in a couple tie breaks. That was mm-hmm. that was his like return to the ATP tour, I guess. He'd already won a challenger before and he got yeah. a few other matches in. He had lost to Mickelson in another challenger. But yeah, it's just he seemed totally healthy. The only concern for him is that he seemed totally healthy in his first match, but then his knee was heavily taped in his quarterfinal against Fritz. And then he played a he played a tight first set with Fritz, but then he just totally he just couldn't move the same way. He was getting treatment on it. And it's just, I just hope this is not another injury thing yeah. because he's been just troubled by injuries really since 2016. Uh, where yeah, he... that's true. That's unfortunate because yeah. you in 2017, he was in the top 10 until uh, there was that match against Monfils in Montreal. It was you know, crazy match. Yeah, that was his last match that season. Yeah, it was his last we match. And like match pretty points. much half of the top 10 in 2017 pulled the plug, you know, just like... Yeah. Or the U.S. Open. Um, 2016, and then, 2017 is where we lost, uh, uh, you know, a lot of these top guys from from injuries. Yeah, and then his comeback in 2018 was just overshadowed by the fact that Djokovic also made a huge comeback from like outside the top 20, winning a couple of slams, getting back to number one. But like, there's also something was not really talked about too much because what he made uh, squatters and semis in Wimbledon. Um, it was also making it deep in the Masters events, Monte Carlo final, and he made it back to the top eight and he played the ATP finals. And it yeah. went over to um, the next year as well, where he made what three consecutive quarterfinals at Slams. Um, so, yeah, yeah, like it, he was, you know, when when he he is healthy, he can do pretty well and he's had really good results i think yeah even barcelona in 2019 made the semis and you know so many results like that um so yeah like he is a he, he is an elite player um so it, even i want to say 21 when he gave djokovic kind of a stern test in the was it the third round yeah the third round of the us open yeah. and again he played um uh, I, I think he lost to Zverev uh, maybe thrice in the clay season with Madrid, Rome, and RG. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, he did manage to and... get himself like firmly back in the top 50. And he was like semifinals yeah. of DC. He was like, yeah, he was, he was starting to put together some good results third round of the US Open. 
Yeah, and then yeah. he got injured again. I think he made the quarters of the Olympics as well. I think he lost to Novak. Yeah, then. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's um, he he seems to like when he comes back, he seems to be in good form. Like he doesn't like he doesn't actually take. Yeah, that he long. doesn't lose. I mean, we've seen Dominic team how he's like been struggling the last yeah. one last year. Just Oof. like get a few it's, wins. It's really brutal right now for team. I mean, I thought at the end of October, honestly, when he started having those good results. In the in that stretch, like he beat Harkach indoors, which is not easy, and he had like he pushed Korda, he beat some some other good names, even in the clay court season he after Wimbledon. Yeah, and he he played Karenja Busta very tight in the U.S. Open, so I thought like okay, you know he's he'll take the rest of this year off, and then he'll he can build on it. But his year has been disaster so far, like in twenty twenty three. Like I, I mean, all yeah. we really have is basically two matches against Sitsipas. That we're just clinging on to as like hope, but yeah, it's if you really, want to, if you want to go, go, uh, go a bit far, maybe that five setter against Pedro Kachin. Uh, maybe, but like, I mean, these are matches in his, his yeah, that's true. I mean, we just... don't want to mince words here because, mm-hmm. like, this is yeah. it's just not looking good. Like, I mean, I know we know that he had a pretty uh threatening injury one 21, but it's just been long enough for him to get something going, really. Uh, he's yeah. had a few semis at two fifty level, but no. And I do have to wins. say, like the right wrist is is so brutal because I mean, like without his forehand, like that was the shot that made him, that made him yeah. so so great. So yeah, I mean, he's not, not he's not had a big win. Wing. I mean, he's not had a win at a big tournament. I mean, he's had one at Rome that was this year, in the last couple of years. Did he win a match in Rome or oh, Monte Carlo? Sorry, it was Monte Carlo, and uh, yeah. he made it. I think he beat Gasquet, lost to Holger. Yeah. Um, other than that, he's not won a match at big event. Um, first run, all of these slams. I mean, yeah, sure. Okay, you got Rublev. We expected that to be tight. No. Um, then, of course, the Wimbledon loss. And, um, yeah, he's, yeah. He's yet to have that, again, like, really, he could really have done win. better. Like, against Lehetska, he had that break in the second set. Yeah, yeah. These, you know, there's certain. I mean, he is losing matches in one. Ma- when he loses, it's it's almost like he loses in one manner. Yeah. Uh, last year he was losing straight sets for most part, um, and then he started losing. Okay, in third set tiebreakers on like in three sets, um, yeah. and then this year I think it, it, it is it is a little disheartening because it is taking him a long, long time, and the problem is yeah. I, I do think it's the forehand. Like, I watch some of these matches. He can still move really well. He, he can still hit that backhand really nicely. You know, he still doesn't look, like, underpowered in any other shot. It's the, it's the forehand where he's just not trusting it yep. nearly as much. It's a lot more passive. When he goes for it, it leaks errors. It's just, uh, yeah, it's just it's, it's just not the same forehand that it used to be. Mm-hmm. So I, I do wonder, like, just, you know, how frustrating it must be, like, because he's yeah. he's been kind of patient and he's been just going on to the next week, next week. But it's just not been not been happening for him for over a year. And I mean, he's not even thirty yet, so he's not he's not like old by any stretch. But it's just you know he's an older twenty nine than than yeah. most, just because he played. You know, I mean, remember those years from twenty fourteen to twenty twenty? He was averaging like twenty six, twenty seven tournaments a year. So, <laughs> yeah. Even Crazy. in the 2020 year when there was the pandemic, I think he played over 30 matches in the pandemic itself. So at some <laughs> point, I think it just he had to have been burned out because he, he spent a whole decade trying to win a major. He wins that major at 27. Yeah, he has a few other good results that year. He gets to the finals of ATP finals. 
you know, has some has some big wins, but A-O ever since like well. Australia 2021, you know, it just hasn't been just hasn't been there because he also had knee injuries, foot injuries, and then he's took he took off a lot of the time, and then he came back in Madrid. He got to the semis there, and then like then you thought, okay, let's do a complete reset. He lost in the first round of RG, and then he he hurts his wrist against Manorino, and it's just been yeah like downhill since so. Yeah, and then what kind of annoys me personally is that, yeah, you have all of this and then we know what it was like for him in his prime. He played a bunch of tournaments. He was losing early in quite a bit, even in his like absolute prime. Remember he lost to 6-2, 6-1 to Krajinovic before winning the US Open. Who would have had him? As, I mean, at that time, we were like, okay, if he plays like this, there's no way he's you know favorite for the US Open. We had Djokovic and Medvedev, Zverev, Sitsipas, these guys, like, at the, at the time, like we could rely on them more than maybe team, but then obviously team had that amazing run. He beat Felix Diminor, Medvedev, Zverev, you know, on the way to the title, which was great. But yeah, I mean, there is no guarantee that okay, yeah, well, uh, you know, there are some players from say the last couple of years or three years, like Federer, Nadal, who are, and team himself who are uh, missing from the mix. Want to if if you want to put it that way. And, I will just you know, say, like, have... this injury is just, it, it is, like, one of those really delicate ones because, like, you're always, you always just have that fear in the back of your mind, like, when you're hitting the forehand. Yeah. Like, you know, what if, what if it comes, like, it's just PTSD. It's one of those, it's mm-hmm. one of those yeah, type of true. injuries because it's not even, like, his left wrist where at least, okay, you can slice the backhand and, you know, you can still get your way around it, like, yeah. um, but it's just... Yeah, like yeah. when it happens on your dominant arm. Yeah, speaking of PCB, you know, he just withdrew from yes. Toronto. And there goes oh. his... There, there goes his season, point. basically, because he's uh, like he's had this elbow injury thing for like over six months. And he's just been... Like basically every entry list that I see on Twitter, it's like almost every week he's pulled out. So that's a bit sad, but good for him that he got the Masters 1000 last year. He's He's what, like 32, yeah. 33? 32, maybe? Yeah. I mean, he is a semi-finalist at the US Open twice. And yeah. Yeah. He is uh, he is a very, very good player on hard courts, contrary to what Mikirios thinks. Bronze as well. Uh, yeah. But what else uh, that we should talk about? I mean, this week we have Washington coming up. So Fritz is the number one seed there. I yeah, will say Washington um, used to be way more stacked than it is now. I mean, now it's like not nearly as stacked. And it's like Los Cabos actually has more... Hmm. Has a pretty good depth. Yeah, I mean, we had Medvedev, and then he withdrew. So it's, I think, um, yeah, without Medvedev, maybe it looks a bit. You can see the void, maybe. Um, yeah, a great player. Still, on some, still some pretty good players, and it is like a, it is like a forty-eight player draw. So it's, uh, and and it's a combined event this year. So I think that would be that would be quite something. Yeah, I was actually just going to mention. Yeah, Sitsipas is playing this week in Los Cabos. And he has Philippus's back with him, but they have an interesting arrangement because he says that he can't, he can't have them both, you know, and he doesn't want to listen to more than one voice. So he says, "Yeah, that I mean, I don't blame, I don't blame uh, uh, Mark at all." That so you will not see Apostolos in his box for Los Cabos, and for Canada, and for Cincinnati. So uh, hmm, personally, let's see that, where where that goes. Let's um, see where that goes because I kind of like that. He's only going to have. Yeah, I mean, just purely tennis-wise. Yeah, that 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 was not helping. Um, let's Uh, see. Um, I mean, it's just. And then at the U.S. Open, the Apostles will be joining them both. But. 
But the main thing for Sitsipas has to be like get a better US Open result because Sitsipas at the US Open yeah. has been a bit of an enigma. I guess you could take out, you know, I mean, the losses to Chorich where he basically blew that match. He had so many match points. 5-1. Yeah, yeah. Like that, uh, that, that match and bends then, all law, laws of physics already. Yeah, that, the fact yeah, that he didn't You could say, it. okay, he had maybe some bad draw luck with getting Alcaraz in the third round in 2021. But again, that's Alcaraz was not the player that he was in 2022. And he had chances to win the that match too but okay fine i mean but the just the losses like last year to galan and you know the first round loss in 2019 so he's just he's he needs to get a better showing there uh, as a top yeah. player i would say so yeah i mean just imagine he has these good results next three tournaments and then a post loss comes back and then he loses early again so you know yeah, I, I because he's done well that. in cincinnati and canada like he's been to the yeah, finals finalist at both tournaments so um so yeah, and also he played Washington. I remember he made the semis lost to Kyrgios four years ago. Um, yeah, I mean, and yeah, even 2021, he made the semis at both tournaments. He has had good results overall. Uh, yeah, so um, uh, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. You know, it's just a pretty interesting arrangement. I don't think I've ever seen a scenario, or maybe I'm overlooking one where. Uh, the main man has not been in Sitsipas's box, even when during Morato Glue's days. Um, yeah, you know, just we'll, we'll, we'll see. But there are some comments I have been um, keeping an eye on, like this. <laughs> yeah, do you, uh, want to, do you want to talk about this? No, okay, right. Um, and this, well, yeah, I think my Twitter speaks for itself. Um, okay. so I, maybe, yeah, um, but yeah, you know, uh, um, um, yeah, you know, I, funny because I see quite a few, uh, you know, the difference between Novak and Steph here is that Novak may drew his boundaries pretty clearly. Uh, we saw for a while his parents were not showing up for his matches for a long time, he, some uh, monumental Grand Slam finals, um. But other than that, barely ever seen them. Um, so yeah. yeah, I mean, should Sitsipas do that for his, for uh, you know, for his good maybe? Um, because we know that it's uh, it's not been great when his uh, when even one of his parents, uh, you know, is in the in the box. Last year in Turin, everyone remembers him just hitting a ball towards his parents because there's a lot of chatter not helping. Clearly, I mean, there's enough there. There, yeah. there's enough data to show it's not helping. Um, so yeah, maybe you know you, you could do something like that, and starting from now, it's never too late, right? But uh, I mean, aside from the fact that he has like a gazillion matchup issues anyway, so I, I don't know how much it will help, but it, it could help because there are matches that he shouldn't be losing that he's losing anyway. So there's that. Yeah. Okay. So I guess yeah. I mean the. Yeah, I mean the the other seeds in Washington, Hurkacz. Um, who else is who else is there? I mean, yeah, Hurkacz again. Well, he's out of the top sixteen right now, so he would want to. Last year, lost what second round, right? U.S. Open has not really had a big yeah. result uh, during the stretch. His biggest one was Harley last year in the Miami semis. Um. So yeah, yeah, aside from that, oh, yeah, Felix is the third seed. Yeah, Felix is, uh, uh, you know, hasn't been healthy really since the start of Miami. But we'll see if he can yeah. he can get it together because he had a pretty good year last year and 
Yeah, he he's did. He's someone that I definitely yeah. want to see more often in the mix. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, even the otherwise, like, the, only, um, the only positive I can see for Felix is that, um, yeah, last year, you know, this is when he peaked somewhere around this time. And also, his a lot of his matches is like, I mean, yeah, and even this year, only positive was Indian Wells, really. Other than that, there's no tournament where, you know, he looked encouraging. Um, yeah. Well, neither is happening, so you have your answer. Um, yeah. Uh, huh. yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, and then we have one more ATP event this week in Kitsville, but, you know, I, I just refer to that really as the Dominic team open. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I, yeah it's, I just do. I don't know why. Just maybe because it's in Austria, and yeah, he won it once. Yeah. Uh, well, it was twenty nineteen, right? Yeah, I mean the yeah, top seed there is Echeverry, and the second seed is Hoffman, and I guess it's just more a continuation of like Stad and Umag mostly. Yeah, Umag especially. I mean, what <laughs> the head yeah. was the top maybe, seed, and now yeah, Echeverry will do something again. When, when the title will get to a final again, like he tends to do in these yeah. post Wimbledon. He just beat Varias today. I mean, really, I'm just going to be looking at team. Uh, I just want to see if he can string together two or three good wins. I'll be curious to see about Echeverry also. Because yeah, at this point, I want him to win a, win a title, really, because like two to three wins not doing it. He has done that. Estoril last year quite a few times. Yeah. But it's not let you gotta get to the final Umag, at least, I would say for, for me. Umag, to, yeah, like, we, we could have expected that in Umag, honestly speaking. But that didn't happen. So yeah. um, let's see. I haven't looked at his draw, but uh no matter what draw he gets, people somehow make it <laughs> seem like you know it's a draw from hell for him. Maybe every draw right now is a draw from hell for him unless he gets a big breakthrough. So yeah, we'll see. Um Anyway, yeah. so yeah, those are three. I mean, I guess what Kitsbio is the last play event for the year. Yes, right? that is the last play event for the next six months on the ATP. Should have been RG, but been anyway, we'll let that, that slide. But, huh. <sighs> yeah, that's always right. a, a talking point, of course. But um, yeah, I think I think that's about it. That's it covers our show this for this week. We went pretty much over an hour. Uh, it was good to have Handan on as well. Talk about Atlanta yes. since he was on site, and uh, yeah. and yeah. Yeah, it's always good to have someone who was at the tournament, uh, you know, to speak about these things beyond that go beyond tennis, right? Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that will be you soon in Cincinnati, uh, soon enough. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, that would be interesting as well. Anyway, so yeah, it was it was great doing this with you again, uh, much like last week. Uh, we yep. had a pretty detailed, insightful chat, and. Um, that's, you know, looking forward to the action this week. Yep. Look forward to it too. And we'll be back with more ATP Weekly next week. And uh, yeah, check out Nick's uh, WTA Weekly as well. He'll have you covered for that. But uh, right. yeah, hurry. I don't know if you want to maybe close us out with your best John Silk impersonation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just uh, trying to f- find that. But um, yeah, I managed to locate it. So yeah, everyone enjoy what is... Uh, you know, possibly the best way to end the show. Yeah. If you enjoyed this video, make sure you hit that like button. Don't forget to subscribe and click that notification bell so you don't miss out on 
all things tennis. Sports Social Podcast Network.